welcome back to another episode of Table Talk. Uh, tonight we're going to be continuing our bonus content. We're going to have Jacob on again tonight, and we're going to be doing as player profile. So, Jacob, you want to go ahead and say hello to the listeners? Hello. <laughs> and maybe give them perhaps a bit of a, a an introduction. I'm Jacob, and I'm Cameron's brother-in-law, and I've been playing in the same group with him for, for what, three years now? Yeah, about three and a half. It's weird how long it seems. I don't know. Sometimes yeah. it seems like we've only been playing for like a couple of weeks or whatever. Yeah. And then other times, then you realize that it's actually been three and a half years and three campaigns. And all yeah, that a lot's happened since. But I, I, I remember the start. I remember the beginning. So yeah, tonight we're going to just kind of learn more about Jacob. We had him. Uh, he was kind enough to join us on uh, our last episode that we recorded. And so we just wanted to give the listeners a chance to hear who he is and what kind of role he plays in our game. So, so on that kind of same topic, then do you want to go ahead and explain who your character was for the game we've been playing? Yeah, sure. My character for probably 95% of what I've played has been uh, an elf ranger named Talion. And for most of that, he had an animal companion named Kuma, who was an owl bear. So what kind of a role do you feel like you played in our group as that character? More or less the tactician, the tactical player. Okay, perfect. Yep. And um, we, might, we might have touched on it a little bit in some of the other episodes too, but I don't know if there was ever a specific moment in time where it was voted upon or anything, but... Italian kind of quickly became our de facto leader of our of our group. Do you want to talk a little bit about some of the times that may have affected the story from your opinion? Yeah, I don't really know how that got started either. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, maybe it just kind of fell onto I had one of the longest running characters out of the group, but even before that happened, I, yeah, it was it just kind of seemed to fall on Italian to 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 be the leader. <laughs> yeah. As for the the what did you ask? The the role of the Yeah, so if there were any specific instances of like m- memorable times I guess that stick out as times where you kind of had to be the the best representation of our group, so to speak. Oh, I feel like I I don't know. I feel like I was usually the uh, the best face of the group, the the well-rounded, mostly good character who was there to, you know, complete the job and and um do some good along the way. But that I still always feel like e- even if Talion was the the leader of the group, that our bard friend Irwin was always more of the the face of the group. So as far as as big thematic um, role playing moments go, the the leader from from a lot of the outside point of view, I think would have been looked at more as Irwin. That's a fair statement. But but on a, a you know on a personal, uh, if you're just looking at the party, I feel like a lot of yeah, a lot of the the characters tended to look towards towards him. Yeah, I guess in <laughs> in scenarios in combat and and 
and whatever. It it always seemed to fall on Irwin just because he was the the more well spoken and and more diplomatic. Kind of the archetypical like yeah, yeah. smooth yeah. talker kind of guy. Yeah, our, I think that the di- and like Jacob said, we've had uh, in the three and a half years we've been playing, we've of course had a lot of different PCs kind of rotating through the uh, the team or whatever, but. With Jacob's character being essentially the longest lasting of all of them, there were obviously instances where like one player would maybe be more so like the muscle of the group, someone that's more kind of like strength based or whatever. And with with small ones, Bard being obviously really high charisma and everything that goes hand in hand with being a Bard, there were a lot of times where he'd kind of be the like the mouth of the party, so to speak. But it always kind of seemed like there were instances where we would quickly get over our heads and the just the the level headedness and like the the analytical side of your character was what a lot of times kept us afloat and so i think that was even yeah like you said even if maybe a different person looking in would maybe think that that christian's character was maybe more so of the the leader of the group i always felt like it was more so tally and that was kind of like behind the scenes like running things or whatever but yeah so looking back then on the start of the the very first session we ever played as what made you decide to be the ranger of our party um that's a good question i remember looking into the different classes and i wanted something that was well i tactical i guess more or less kind of a jack of all trades not too focused on anything in particular. And the the ranger just kind of stuck out. I, I, I always pictured, I, I just pictured a, a badass ranger who could kind of do it all. And, and so that's what I wanted to make. That's definitely what he ended up as too, by the end of it yeah. all. In your mind, is there like, did you have one specific like inspiration behind your character then? No, probably not one, but a, a couple maybe in particular. We had from, I, I've been a big fan of Lord of the Rings for a long time. And uh, Legolas was always an amazing character to to read about and to watch. And I loved the archer aspect of this game. So I kind of went with that. And then yeah. also maybe a blend of uh, Aragorn as well. Just the the sword fighting and the the tracking and the um, more of the ranger skills. Yeah, I'm sure anybody that's ever played a ranger within the last ten or fifteen years or whatever has probably looked to Orlando Bloom or Viggo Mortensen of at least some sort of inspiration for that character. So that's yeah. really cool. So let's say then that for whatever reason, let's say that Kevin Feige from Marvel and Disney calls us up tomorrow and they explain to us that they've bought the rights to the Forgotten Ones. Who would you want to cast it to play Talion in that movie? Ooh, that's a good question. Trying to think of ones we haven't asked other guests on the show. Yeah. Throw a curveball at you. That's a good question. Well, I, the obvious choice. So for those that don't know, my my character was an elf ranger who focused heavily on archery. So Jeremy Renner obviously kind of fits into that uh that role, I guess, a little bit yeah. with his Hawkeye character. Yeah, and I, I feel like he would do it justice too. He's he's got the the serious, you know, down to earth. So obviously, a lot can happen within that long of a time frame. 
I mean, literally having played. So we've touched on it a, a little bit before in some of the other episodes, but our group pretty religiously plays three weeks on and one week off and four-ish hours every time we meet. So in that three and a half years of time, like that's obviously a lot and a lot of hours of playing as that character then. So obviously a lot can happen in that big of a time frame. If you had to look back on one single moment that you would say was your favorite memory of playing as Talion, what would you say that that one moment would be? Hmm. Like you said, a, a lot has happened these last three years, and a lot's changed for Talion as well. I'd say one of the biggest moments, the most memorable moment, might have been joining the Harper's Guild. That's one that, that really stuck out to me. That that seemed that was a really cool moment, really neat moment, and uh, kind of a character-defining, too. It took him from this small little party of misfits and uh and he became part of a bigger bigger idea bigger guild yeah i that was always one of my favorite moments too speaking of which though uh as some of our kind of past tense words that we've been using or whatever are probably alluding to it's it's only been not too long ago that actually italian kind of i don't know I, maybe you could say met his demise or was written out of the story some of his fate is i think still kind of left open to interpretation or maybe a, a, an open-ended issue that may someday be addressed again but uh do you want to explain a little bit about kind of how that went down yeah so the party showed up at a new city and i don't remember if there was things happening already when we got there or if, if it all kind of went down right as we arrived but essentially, we had a uh, a bunch of enemies show up, and one of them recognized Talion right away, and had a obvious vendetta against him. More or less, called him out on it, and um, started summoning all of these other uh, big bad creatures. Had this giant portal open, and waves of enemies were pouring in, and so. Italian decided to uh, try to draw some aggro away from the party because most of the other party, like we said, was was newer characters. And this was a uh, reference from a much, much earlier part of our story. And so not many of the, the party was even left from that, but Italian was. So he got called out on it. And uh, so Italian decided to draw some of the aggro away from the newer party members and ended up sacrificing himself over it more or less. He got uh, transported into another plane and, and fought hard for a while, but eventually succumbed to this enemy. So, but did manage to pull him away from the party, which saved them hopefully some, <laughs> some pain and suffering. So. Yeah, it was very, I know there was one of our earlier episodes that we kind of briefly glossed over the explaining what happened in that. And it was definitely, I don't know, it was super memorable just from the standpoint of a character that's, that's been there since day one. Uh, But also that's, I mean, that we all looked to as a leader and as a friend and just the fact that 
I don't know. I think a lot of times the the instances where we hear the phrase like I would that's what my character would do. That's when someone's describing themselves like or trying to justify themselves doing something that was either rude to another party member or basically them just being a jerk or whatever. But that was that was really what like Jacob was doing what his character would do. Like Talion was was very much kind of I as earlier on he was probably more of just like a neutral ranger and towards the end he was more so on the good end of the spectrum and like he was just he he did what he needed to do to for the good of his friends and for the good of the party and that was definitely really epic and just the fact too that um like like Jacob said when he got kind of plane shifted or whatever to a different like plane of existence against an undead mind flayer like mathematically if you had looked at like that challenge or whatever like he should have probably been killed in one round or whatever he'd been lucky to make it to two rounds and he held his own single-handedly as a ranged character nonetheless too like specializing with the bow and arrow and like he lasted for a good six or seven or eight rounds or something just and it was yeah it was super epic but it was also like super heartfelt so yeah that was easily one of the most memorable things that I'll look back on from that story. But that also has kind of put you in a unique position too, by comparison, whereas some of the rest of us players at the table have gone through two, three, four, maybe even five different characters over the last three and a half years then. And now you're for the first time having to just kind of switch gears and and play as a new PC then. So do you want to tell us about the current character you're playing as? So yeah, I'm playing as Roland the Crusader right now, and uh, he's been a lot of fun. He's got all of these maneuvers and stances that I get to to try out and and experiment with, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. Something Dylan's always done really well for us is just easily conveying like how serious the game is and how like like the. Th- the threat is always there. And so he always encourages us to have like a backup character. What was, uh, what was something you were looking for when you knew that at some point the day may come where Talion was no more? Well, I playing as Talion, the Ranger didn't, I, he used his sword once in a great while Talion did, but by far, uh, he was better skilled at range and he always hung back out of combat and, you know, tried to do as much damage as he could with his bow and with spells. But he was never really in the thick of it. And I wanted a character that that was. I wanted more or less the opposite. And uh, so I, I made this crusader who's, you know, our party's tank at the moment and uh, is always in the thick of it. And that's where he thrives. And that's where a lot of his maneuvers are best utilized even too. So... As most people probably know, we play 3.5 rather than the current 5e. And uh, for those of the listeners that don't know, one thing that's kind of unique to 3.5 by comparison is the fact that there are prestige classes where starting as a certain base class and then meeting certain requirements can allow you to multi-class into other prestige classes that build off of the initial class and give you some sort of new ability or versatility, things like that. So, uh, And with 3.5, c- 
counting the base classes as well as all of the prestige classes, there's no exaggeration, 990 different classes for 3.5. So obviously anything you could imagine ever playing as it exists inside of that that mechanic then. So what's a class that you've always kind of thought about wanting to try out but never have had the chance yet? Well, there's been a couple, I guess. And, and I know this would have to be somewhat homebrewed, I think, but a, a gunslinger, I think, would be really cool to play as. Yes. Um, it's, it's always been kind of a in the back of my mind, even I remember even shortly after I built Talion, I always thought that this this character's, you know, fun, but it'd be really cool too if, you know, he had some kind of uh sidearm or something too that that he could use. So yeah, the the idea of uh gunslinger walking around, I think it'd be really cool, a lot of fun. And that the first thing that comes to my mind and I would guess you too would just be kind of that like archetypical like uh, Roland does change from the Dark Tower series, and yep. just yeah, that's that would definitely yep. be a cool build. And and our game too, like gun gunpowder and firearms exist to a certain extent, so that that would definitely be something that's that's feasible and yeah, within the realm of possibilities. But yeah, that would be really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's honestly kind of where um, my characters got his name from anyway, because I oh, I liked yeah. I, I liked that name. And started to look into and had talked with Dylan some about various options and but I kept looking and ended up finding the Crusader that I that I really liked. So yeah, I kept awesome. the name and switched the class, but Yeah, that's really cool. I guess yeah. that never really dawned to me, but that makes yeah. sense though. <laughs> what would you say so uh, the Ranger is a good example because it's you played him as a ranged, obviously a ranged, uh, a ranged character, just like the name implies. But rangers are very versatile in three point five. Just whereas you could have focused on having two swords or being more kind of spellcast related. But so I feel like we got some really good examples of some of you kind of stretching, tallying in some other different directions. What would you say would be the most memorable round of combat? out of the, the three and a half years that you played as him, where you did something that was just completely out of left field, but that made like a huge impact. Maybe one of the first times that I cast the Entangled spell, I believe that was that was pretty early on, wasn't it? As that was, yeah, probably within the first one or two-ish levels, I would guess, yeah. Do you want to elaborate on what that would have, for anyone that's not familiar with that spell set or whatever? Yeah, and that that was in a pretty big combat, if I remember right, too. And essentially, the the spell just makes all of these vines and uh, local plant life kind of rise up and grab at this uh, the all the enemies within a radius, and uh, it it hinders them. It makes them slow. Um, They have to do all kinds of saves and checks to be able to to do anything or get through it. And I don't remember us ever really having anything like that pop up before this. And it went the first time I used it and used it on a group of five or six of these enemies um, and how it pretty much just took this combat and just set all of them down to a crawl, uh, almost literally. Yeah, that was one that always stuck out to me that is... That's um. I can actually tell you the exact time that you use that for the first time too, because it was when I was running my one shot for Dylan, 
and you guys were finally kind of coming to the the boss of the area or whatever the the cultists that were running that small island that you guys shipwrecked on yeah so i i went into this what in my mind was like a mini boss type of fight that we'd be going back to dylan's campaign in the next session and what i had spent quite a bit of time crafting and having balance to be um, a really big challenge for you guys and prior to this i i literally didn't know that spell even existed so that's um that's poo poo on me but yeah, literally the the first thing he does is cast Entangle, and now all of a sudden a fifty foot radius gigantic just patch, basically like two thirds of the whole entire like chamber was now just kind of overgrown with weeds, and now every single one of those guys that I had um, put in there to challenge them is moving at half speed and just struggling to try and stand up and not fall prone, as now they're just getting picked off by italian's bow and arrow and everyone's crossbows and the wizard and the casters just shooting spells at him with magic missile and stuff and it it made what should have been a more challenging encounter a pretty quick one so yeah that was definitely uh it's kind of an eye-opener because it, it made me have to realize that going into like an encounter or whatever have, after having designed it and expecting it to have a certain course of action or go a certain direction and then just how easily one person looking up one spell can can completely derail the whole thing but yeah that was definitely a an interesting lesson to learn though so (laughs) (laughs) oh you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) you touched on it a little bit briefly too uh, the fact that you had the the long time animal companion kuma the owlbear yeah what was that like because, I mean, essentially you were running two characters then. Do you want to talk about that at all? Yeah. So Talion acquired Kuma as an egg, actually. We we were running through some side quest for the main mission, I think it was even, and, and happened upon this, this owlbear egg. And uh, Talion decided to keep it, knowing that soon he would be able, he'd be a high enough level to get an animal companion. And um, so he just took the egg and and that became his animal companion growing up. And we had it start out as a, a small cub and it did not do much. I think it could trip and maybe maybe bite. I don't remember. It couldn't do much. But with leveling up and, and time, Kuma ended up being a a full grown owl bear. And um, yeah, it was it was great. It it added up. It added a lot of options to what Talion could do, because Talion, like we said, wasn't much of a melee fighter, but Kuma was very strong and had some very strong attacks with with his full round attacks, and and so it gave some options on close quarters combat with my characters. So. It just added more versatility. You're right. Yeah, it was cool. And it just gave more options, you know, and the I don't know, the fact that it you did, whether you realize it or not, you did a really good job of playing each each person, essentially each person's like a in a different way where Talion was kind of the more reserved and kind of analytical like tactician that was leading our group. And Kuma was more of the obviously animalistic kind of hot headed just 
his first instinct always seemed to kind of be to just be ready to grab a hold of something and grapple it or pummel it or whatever. And that was that was really cool, just kind of seeing all that develop. I mean, that was that was also a big loss to the party too. That when when Talion was plane shifted out of there, Kuma didn't go with him, but Kuma just kind of sailed off, just looking for Talion. And part of me, in my like head canon, I just kind of picture like Kuma's just out there now, just searching high and low, trying to find his partner. And it yeah, kind of is a little interesting thread that yeah. Made may research someday but yeah i hope so that'd yeah. be cool i know we normally try and keep these things kind of short and sweet so i think we got time for maybe one more question but so much of what i love about D and the community is just how we're lucky because it with just the way that like the cards all fell that we were able to start such a cohesive and close group with most of us already having known each other from being interrelated and everything. And the the ones that weren't quickly became really good friends with everybody else. And, but so much of the community is about just people reaching out to people they don't know and just interacting over this game that, that has been played for decades now. But so if you had to picture yourself in a situation where you're explaining D and D to somebody knowing that someone's going to be playing for the first time, what would be the the quick pitch you would give somebody on why they should play a Ranger over any other class? I would say just, just because of the sheer versatility of the character, the fact that they can specialize in ranged or the dual wielding or the focus more on spell casting and the fact that they get uh, animal companions too. Uh, they they can do so much. They're kind of a, a jack of all trades. I feel like so, and you can specialize in one of them, or just kind of be as balanced as possible, and and kind of split the difference on a lot of them. And I yeah, I feel like it's just kind of the the stereotypical D and D character is the ranger when you when you think of one. That's perfect. Yeah, that's a great answer. Awesome. Well. Thank you once again for joining tonight. I always have fun getting to do these with you guys and just getting to kind of pick your brain a little bit and try and uh, just give the listeners a better opportunity to get to know all of you guys that are obviously my best friends. So I'm sure to all the listeners, this obviously won't be the last time we'll have Jacob on here. We've got all sorts of other episodes in the pipelines and yeah, it's been a lot of fun. So thank you for your time. And do you have any sort of a, any sort of a sign-off you want to give tonight? I'll just say thanks for having me again, and I look forward to being on here again. Awesome. Very cool. Well, thank you guys for listening, and we will see you soon. I literally didn't know that spell even existed, so that that's poo-poo on me. Tabletalk's theme music, Rhino's Theme, is brought to you by Kevin McLeod under the Creative Commons license. Please see the show notes for more details.